0: Welcome to the Shell Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Good morning, church. Good morning. Hope you're well. Everyone's had a good week. We've had fantastic weather. It's beautiful out there this morning. I hope that you've got some wonderful plans with family, friends or whatever to enjoy this awesome weather that we've been having. Our... um, been, been uh, you know, so, so annoyed with so much rain in the past, well I guess that's just, you know, a little thing that we, our yard gets so flooded with, you know, when it rains heavily and we might need to do something about that, I don't know, but anyway, I'm loving this weather, the weeds start growing like crazy though, it's crazy anyway, um, it's all good. So, look, I am so excited about coming um, up here and, and, and sharing the word with you. Um, I, I, I love I love the word I love uh, just just sharing and and and, um, and, and this morning I, I mean I really in, last week we started the series <coughs> called in Christ and um, just an amazing series, uh, great explanation of, of what it means to be in Christ and uh, I really believe that um, as we go through these uh, several weeks, looking at what it means to be in Christ. It's really going to help you to understand um, the Christian life, understand how to how to live in that confidence that you are in Christ, and also uh, that when the, there's people here who aren't in Christ, that they will be in Christ, and, and they will see Jesus for who He is. And they will be saved. We will see salvations. I really pray that we do see Salvations, because um, when, when the word is open, when the gospel is preached, the opportunity is there for people to get saved. Amen? And only God does that. We simply deliver the message. We are the, the, the mailmen who just literally just deliver the message, and God does the rest. And um, so this morning, we're going to look at part two of, of the In Christ series. And um, this morning's message is entitled, The Redemption and Salvation of God. And I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And of course, look, if you don't have uh, your Bibles, we do have it on the screen, but it, it will be on there. Um, but if not, grab your phone, grab your Bible, and we're going to have a look at this passage of Scripture and then we're going we're gonna to unpack it and see what it talks, see what it's saying to us, see what the Holy Spirit is saying. So let's just read this from verse 17. It says, It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would anoint my lips, um, that you would help me to articulate the message uh, concisely, uh, clearly. Uh, people will be, um, have, have pliable hearts to, to hear and apply the word to themselves. I thank you that you do this, Lord. Amen. Um, I, I want to, as, as we look at this verse of Scripture, I want you to see interwoven the love of God in this passage. I, I, I want you to see if I can... I am so inadequate to, to, to really unpack such profound Scripture. But if I can do it any justice, I want you to see that interwoven in these verses of Scripture, there is mission that we go on. There is something that we must do. But that you should see that it is the love of God that initially compels us, but it's the love of God that initiates salvation. And I want you to see that. So I just, I hope I can do it justice. I really do. But I want you to capture it. So we're going to have a look. Now, we briefly, we saw, we saw last week, and I'm just going to briefly sort of explain here that being in Christ, in Christ, uh, um, has has we saw last week what the meaning is to be attached to him to abide in him abide in the anointed one to 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 be with him. Um, in this passage in verse seventeen, it starts off by saying, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation." There's they're powerful words. It's. Um, Being in Christ in Galatians 3, verse 26 says, In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Um, Despite your racial background, despite your uh, gender, you are all in Christ. You are all, because of what He's done, you're all one in Christ. Colossians 3 says, For you have died and your life is Hidden with Christ in God, so if we're in Christ here, Corinthians is this, is saying to us that we are a new creation. That's baffling. That is new creation. We see the see that the the Bible also explains that we are we, we are to be born. Again, these are some crazy illustrations of what the new, of what being in Christ is. The being in Christ isn't that God just just cleans up your old life. He doesn't just just clean you up, He doesn't just open a new chapter in your life. He doesn't just he makes you a new creation. The old is stripped away the new has come uh, it, it, it's it's the like in ezekiel 36 he explains it as um there's an a beautiful explanation of our heart being a heart of stone he replaces that heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh so that we may walk in his statutes and obey him and and be and be happy in him to be to delight in him to be, to be satisfied in Him, because the heart of stone would never do that. We, we initially we were all born, we were born into this sin nature. It's uh, we sin because of that. So we we sin because we're born into this sin nature. That is that's what the first Adam failed. So the second Adam Jesus he came to redeem us from the curse of sin and death. So we were born in in this this sin lifestyle this it says here let me just read um Where is it? I don't I don't have it in the notes but it it, it says that we in in, in um I've oh, I've skipped. So in Psalm it says behold I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me and in Romans it says for all have sinned for short of the glory of of God so it says so back to our text therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come and all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself god we know god is is a perfect god he's a holy god and um that it, it it's amazing because we we that the, there's this almighty all knowing or powerful creator who created everything for his glory and and you and i at one point in our lives have belittled that we used to belittle His glory. Those who are not in Christ, who are not Christians, who don't believe in God, belittle the glory that He deserves. They, we, 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 we think that we're our own God. We, we, we think that we, we know it better. We, we, in our, and yet, this is bizarre. But with the brain that He gives us, that He designed, with the lungs that He holds together, and the air that He gives us, we belittle his name and that is the great blasphemy of the world and so what happens is sinners we're in this place where we think we're where we're the god we're god we all want to be our own god we all want to be our own master we don't want anyone to tell us what to do <laughs> especially from someone we can't see so there's this holy god and 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 we belittle his name and then so that's the, the problem is that god does not and cannot be in association with sinners with with, with sin he's too holy and that is essentially the great problem that we we, we see we see god is holy we are unholy because we're born in in sin and and yet How does this reconciliation come together? How how is it that it comes together? I want to say that that there is, again, one thing that compels, and that is love. Because God so loved the world that he gave his son. He loved And that is the essence of who God is. You cannot say of anyone who's alive today, whoever was, whoever will, of any human being, you can never say that that person is love. But you can say only God is love. He doesn't just have love. He is the essence of love. He is love. He emanates love. He is love. And um, it it compel this love. What happened on the cross is literally is what's happening is 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 love being shown. So we've got the problem here: sinners from the beginning. Uh, But but how? The question is then: How can an absolutely and utterly holy God who is infinite, pure, and perfect ever be reconciled to sinners? How can he do what? How how can he do that? Um, He he was so pure to look on sin. How can He have fellowship with us? How can God satisfy His just and holy law with the the condemnation of sinners by full and deserved punishment? We all deserve the punishment. And still show mercy to us who deserve no mercy. So how can God, who is uh, end the hostility, and how can he take sinners into a holy heaven to live with him forever in communion with him? How can love towards sinners and righteousness come together? To put in, in, in Paul's words, how can God be just and justify sinners? That's the great question. How can a just God still be just and justify sinners? In this text, it explains it in 15 Greek words translated into English, carefully defined and perfectly balanced the ministry of reconciliation. And um, we're going to see here the next slide. I've I've unhighlighted that section because we're going to get back to that. But verse 21 says this. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is one of the most powerful truths of Scripture that bring the whole question into line and solves the problem. It is a beautiful illustration of what happened on the cross. So beautiful. I want you to understand this, that God Jesus didn't sin on the cross He became sin He did he never sinned If Jesus had ever sinned he would cease to be God Jesus never sinned on the cross But what happened on the cross was so profound so amazing <laughs> there's there's lack of words to describe it Jesus becomes sin. So God. it was as if God was counting our sin and counted it on, on, on Him. The word's called impute, imputed. God imputed our sin, our mess, our sin, our filthiness, who we are as a core and in our, in our, in what we were born in. Sin was imputed on Christ. He took the punishment that we rightfully deserve. But yet, what happened also is that His righteousness was imputed onto us. It is beautiful to, I mean, just, let's just see that illustration, sort of picture in your head. On the cross, Jesus, willfully, by the way, Jesus and God were not at odds on the cross. Jesus willfully gave his life in total obedience to the Father on the cross. And his, our sin was imputed to him, accredited to him. And, and, and his righteousness, which means his holiness, his perfection of who Jesus was, You know that. Was credited to us. It's not our righteousness. It's His that was accredited to us. That is profoundly beautiful because love emanates out of that. Interwoven with all this is His love to reconcile sinners who He, God, who is perfect, cannot associate with sin so he had to do something dramatic on the cross he had to give his only son great love compels that to give his only son the only solution so that he can be close to us is that he gave his son and that his our sin was imputed on christ and his perfection was counted to us Can you see the beauty of the cross? Can you see the beauty of what that is? He made him to be sin who knew no sin. In Isaiah 53, says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. It was our griefs, our sorrows. He was pierced forever our transgressions, our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He never sinned. Jesus never sinned on the cross. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Christ on the cross became our substitute. He be- we deserve that punishment. But in love, he. He became our substitute on the cross. He imputed our sin. God imputed our sin unto him, His righteousness on us. It means to be credit credited. Jesus has made sin because God credits our sin to him. We're made righteous because God credits His righteousness to us. Philippians 3:9 says, "We are not found in Christ not having righteousness. We are found in Christ not having a righteousness of my own. Romans 4, 5 says, And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Um, Also on the cross, the wrath of God, his anger towards sin, was appeased because of what Christ did. He propitiated our sins the Bible says that word I know it sounds like a big word but this listen to this 1 John four ten says in this is love I love it in this is love not that we have loved God but that he loved us so it's his initial love that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins it's a big word it simply means that God's wrath is appeased um Romans 3.25 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. As a gift. What a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation for by His blood to be received, received by faith. It's beautiful. So this... So Jesus became our substitute on the cross. Uh, He imputes his righteousness on us. God sees us as righteous. You and I as righteous, not our own, but Christ's. And he propitiates our sins on the cross. He appeases God's wrath on the cross because that's what had to happen and that, hey, that is exactly how God becomes just, and the justifier of sinners. Is that beautiful? I said, "Is that beautiful? Is that love? Is that—that that is there is no greater love than that, because this is such a, a, a an important thing that happened in yes in history, but." The cross was not a second idea. It was planned. It didn't take God off by surprise. Oh, Adam and Eve sinned. What next? Let's see. Um, Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus, what do we do? Um the cross. All right, that might be a good idea, you know. No. The cross was planned from the beginning. It was from the beginning his plan. Now, how we articulate that in our heads is very difficult, and you don't need to do that. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) We just need to believe that that is a... He chose you before the foundation of the world. Before the world was created, He chose you to participate in this, to be in Him, to be in Christ. Now, all this that happened on the cross, all this is a means to something. I want you to capture this. All this, substitution, I don't know they're big words, but this is, he substituted, justification, uh, sanctification, sorry, uh, substitution, imputation, propitiation, big words, but how beautiful they are, and it illustrates the love of God on the cross, is a means to something. The gospel isn't finished until we say this next thing. Let me use a human analogy example. And here's my wife. <laughs> my wife is just here. She's gorgeous. And uh, so I know you didn't know that I was going to use you as an example. But if, if I have offended my wife because I've said something ugly, I've said something that I shouldn't have said and I ask for forgiveness why should I want it why should I want forgiveness from my wife the answer how we answer that means a world of a difference as to how if you believe the gospel now I'm using this example of uh, uh, of me and my, my wife and You can use this example as well with anyone else who you have a close relationship to. But the relationship that I have with my wife, if I've offended my wife and I ask for forgiveness, why do I want forgiveness? I want forgiveness because, well, when I get home, I expect dinner on the table. So let's just clear this thing up, this thing, this wedge that there is between us. I hope because if I say, oh, oh you know what? I'm sorry, Han. Hopefully I get dinner when I get home. Bad answer. Bad answer. Why do you want the forgiveness of God? Well, because I want my conscience to be clear and when I walk into church I don't feel guilty bad answer that bad answer well I want the forgiveness God because I love the benefits that Jesus can give me on this earth and so that I can be blessed bad answer it is no different than me wanting my wife for the things that I want to get from her I want my wife back. That's the answer. I want her. I want to be with her. I want to be reconciled with her, with her, to her. Uh, if it's any other answer than her, it's the wrong answer. If we want God for any other reason than to be with Him, to enjoy Him, to delight in Him, to to, to to be in unity with Him, to have relationship with Him, it's bad answer. What He did on the cross was a means to be with the Father, to be with Him and enjoy Him forever. Yes, in this life, He will fulfill all your joy, all your happiness, all of who you are. You will be fulfilled in this life and in the life ever after. It's to be with Him. That is the ultimate reason as to why we should and want God. It's not for the benefits, and yes, the benefits do come, of course. The reason why I want forgiveness from my wife is so that I can be with her again, so that when I give her a hug, she doesn't just shrug it off, but she embraces me back in love, and we're united again. But what happens is that there is sin in the way. God, there he said, there is sin in the way, and we he can't, we can't, and we don't want to, by the way none is righteous no not one and no one seeks for god but what happens is he reaches out to us in love and we respond in faith and the reason why is love the reason why is because we want to be with him and i hope and i pray that if there's anyone in here that doesn't have that relationship with god that God is doing such a work in your heart right now that you will open up your heart and receive Him. Be born again. You become a new creation. You become a new creation. I want you to understand that the gospel isn't that because your life hasn't gone so well your dreams have been shattered your job your your, your business went bankrupt when well, you don't understand that the gospel primarily isn't to fix those things in this world that is not the gospel The gospel and the aim of the gospel isn't primarily so that we can have everything that we want in our wish list on this earth. It's primarily to have relationship with the Father. Anything other than that is a distorted understanding of the gospel. So, you can be confident So when you share the gospel with someone, you can share it with the the multi-million dollar businessman who is very successful, has a fantastic family, and, and still yet has not Christ. You can share confidently the gospel with them, and they should still find the need for Him. Although they have everything that this world can offer, and everything is going totally fine for them. They are successful. They have a family. They're happy. Their marriage is blooming. Their children are obedient. Everything is going well for them, but they don't have Christ. You can share the gospel to that man, that woman, and they must see the beauty. They mu- Hopefully, that they see the beauty of the gospel and then desire it. Because the gospel is not for those who are in need in this life. It's for us who were in need of a savior amen anything other than that is a distorted understanding of the gospel i want I want you to see this um, there's a quote a quote from uh, one of my one of my favorite preachers I honor him because he's he's an old man who is who's, who's relentlessly um, 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 faithful to the the gospel and the joy that we find in him and this is the quote John Piper says this what makes the gospel the gospel is not ultimately I want you to understand that word ultimately the removal of obstacles but rather the joy that we have in Jesus in the beautiful display of his glory in the removal of the obstacles I know it's a difficult quote But listen to this again. What makes the gospel the gospel is not ultimately. So it does include the removal of sin, of course. But not ultimately the removal of sin, but rather the joy that we have in Jesus, in the beautiful display of His glory, in the removal of the obstacles. So the obstacle is gone. We seek Christ for who He is. We enjoy Him forever. We give glory to His name and everything He gives us. Yes, He gives us um, blessings, but in that we glorify Him for the giving of that and we live a, a life that brings honor and glory to Him. And you know what? None of us does that to, uh, perfectly. None of us does that perfectly. How often do I find myself enjoying things other than christ how often do i find myself getting pleasure out of the things that the world offers rather than getting pleasure ultimately from jesus christ we don't live like this perfectly but let me tell you that we can we can and we should walk in the power of the holy spirit who helps us to focus on him who focus on the main thing and that we can get satisfaction joy happiness and pleasure in jesus christ Oh, that we would live like that. We would find satisfaction. We would find joy in the midst of trial, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of all this stuff that happens in the world, which is promised to the believer, by the way. But we find joy in Him. Oh, that we would walk like that every day. Yes, yes, yes. We're imperfect. Yes, we stumble. Yes, we sin. But listen to this. We have His righteousness imputed to us. His. So God sees us as righteous. Doesn't mean that we don't struggle with sin anymore. It's not our righteousness. It's His. It's imputed to us. Hey, Alex. <laughs> now, I'm going to wrap it up by showing you this um, next slide, if we could. Now, we've understood that now the, the middle part of this whole text is amazing. And let's just go to the next slide. And... He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what Jesus has done? He's given you and I the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God entrusts to us the message of reconciliation. Now that we are righteous in him, and now what he has done for us, now that we, 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 we are have our joy in him. He entrusts you and me with this message of reconciliation. The message of the gospel, he entrusts us. Therefore, we are now ambassadors, ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. He, God, God is making his appeal through you, through me, when we speak the truth of the wonderful, beautiful gospel, and we also live it out. And he is making you and I ambassadors to do that. The whole mission of the church at large, the church at large, the body of Christ, and you as an individual part of the church, is to be an ambassador who carries the message of the gospel to others. So the application of this whole text is this, is that you and I... That we would so desire Christ, for who he is, and that we will also carry this gospel message to our family and our friends, confidently knowing that this is love, that love is, is, is so powerful, and the greatest demonstration of love is what God did on the cross, Jesus did on the cross. Amen. Amen? So I'm going to conclude with this statement. And this statement is, to be in Christ means we have accepted His sacrifice as payment for our own sin to enter the presence of a holy God. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? We must be hidden in the righteousness of Christ. To be in Christ means that God no longer sees our imperfections. He sees the righteousness of His own Son so that we can have faith Fellowship with the Father so that we can savor and prize Him as ultimate joy in this life and the life to come and to be ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us to those who are lost. That is a mouthful. But I will end it there. I will end it there. And, and, and I, just, I just again, the application is this. Ask yourself the question. Why did I come to Christ? Or why do I approach Him? Why do I come to Him? Is it for you to have relationship with Him ultimately? Or is it for something else? Is it for a selfish motive? Is it for, you know... And this can be applied to any other relationship as well in, in, in our lives. I mean, why, my, my wife, why do I want my wife? Is it for the benefits? Or is it for her? A friend. Because they got money and you want to be with them and, you know, they bless you all the time. Is it for that? That's That's horrible. That's horrible. Hopefully it's for them to be with relationship with them. And also to understand that the gospel is something we don't just keep we are now ambassadors for christ to reach out to those family and friends and co-workers with this message stand with me and we'll pray father we thank you so much the beauty Of the gospel that is shown in, and there's so many more scriptures, God, that I could have used. There is so many other illustrations that we could have unpacked. But we thank you for what is written in what we've read. And God, that you would help us to understand, help us to live it out. And God, that we would. Be so satisfied, so satisfied in you. Father, if there is anyone in here who hasn't placed their faith in you, that you, Holy Spirit, are doing such a work in their hearts right now that they may respond to you wherever they're at, in their seat right now, God, only you can do this work. Thank you, Lord, that there is that one person that you're doing that work in them right now. You're saving them. They are understanding the love that you have for them is so great, so great. (laughs) And they're accepting you. I thank you, Jesus, that you're doing that. Amen.